one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time, Charles Barkley. Rex Ryan is my favorite coach. Why is that? Just to think about it, a coach who is the freakiest of players, I love that. <laughs> the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. So when I do analysis, my name is Habituation. So I should refer to you, Steven Soderbergh, as the Bituation. Yes, that's my name. <laughs> what is your name again? The Bituation. He's none other than Reggie Wayne. I get a, a, a text on my two-way from Reed. Oh, it's my buddy. You know, it's my bro, my amigo, a padre, homie. Open it up and look at it. It says, Law Dead. <laughs> Playoff expert, Charles Barkley. Charles, look, I want to know who's going to win the Super Bowl. Who do you think that wins the Jets and the Colts? You know, I'm going to be pulling, I'm going to be pulling for the Jets. So then the Packers-Eagles, how do you see that one? That's going to be a great game, but I'm going to go with the Packers. The Packers. With the Saints and Seahawks. I am going to go with the Saints. Chiefs-Ravens. I think Kansas City is going to win the game. Let me know how my picks turn out. I'll be, pay- I'll be paying close attention. <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Presented by Papa John's, is your host, Rich Eisen. Uh, welcome to a new edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Wild card weekend in the books, divisional playoffs right on the horizon. Charles Barkley, Nostradamus, everybody. I don't think anybody got four of four right this past weekend. What with the Seahawks shocking the New Orleans Saints, but for the first time in NFL history, we have two divisional matchups in the same conference being, well, divisional matchups, and Sir Charles predicted it would happen. He did predict also, moving forward, that the Packers and the Bears would win their next games, meaning a Packers-Bears-NFC championship game would take place in Charles' world, and that is still possible. So, Chuck, that's the sort of prognostication you hear right here on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. And Charles must be through the roof ecstatic anyway these days because his Auburn Tigers won the national championship. The BCS title game going down on Monday night in that beautiful palace that the Cardinals have built. What a big time, big game stadium that is. I was at the BCS championship game Monday night merely as a spectator, as a fan, as a mere civilian. No suit, no tie. No earpiece, no scripts, no lights, no microphone. Uh, A rarity for me, to be honest, just being a fan. And I loved it. You know, I don't take it for granted. It's it's something that I haven't really experienced at a football game in, in over seven years, going to a game just merely to go to a game. And it was great just being there and being part of the atmosphere at the BCS championship game, although with these spread offenses, I got to tell you, I, I tweeted it out. I'll, I'll say it here if you, you're not on Twitter. I tweeted it out, just watching those spread offenses and going for two in the first quarter and or the second quarter and and just uh, down and distance doesn't mean anything on the field where you are. You go for it fourth down midfield. It's It, it was like watching two 10-year-olds on eight bags of Skittles play a video game. Uh, but again, I'm just not a spread offense guy. I'm a, I'm a pro style guy, uh, and in in college, I guess you got to win games any way you can, and and uh, it's not about getting the guys ready for the next level, as we talked about with Urban Meyer last week. But uh, again, I you know, I'll take the pro game. Maybe it's just because my Michigan Wolverines are are not anywhere near the BCS championship game, but I, I, that's going to change. Brady Hoke, Brady Hoke, everybody. 
going from Marshall Falk, San Diego State, coming back to Ann Arbor where he was an assistant back in the day. So maybe we can start actually beating the team down south. At any rate, that's the college game. It's the pro game. We have got a big pro lineup in store for you today on the Rich Eisen podcast. Troy Polamalu will join this program as he's getting set to take on the Ravens. He's also got uh, um, a charity that he wants to promote, twitchange.com. We'll find out from uh, from Troy what that's all about and what we can all do to pitch in to help. Troy's going to join the podcast. Al Michaels, fresh off of him calling the Jets-Colts game, putting a highly successful season in the books for NBC's Sunday Night Football. The Saturday games were through the roof for uh, NBC. It was the Jets-Colts game that Al called. He will join us to talk about that. And the first game to kick it all off was the Seattle Seahawks taking on the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about that shocking upset with Adam Carolla, who'll join us later on the podcast. Ace from the Ace Broadcasting Network. He's also got a book, In 50 Years, We'll All Be Chicks. Uh, He will join us later on. I'm going to make him commissioner for a day. That should be interesting. But uh, while we're on the subject of Saints Seahawks, let's get right to it. The first guest on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's, fresh out of a quarterback meeting, getting ready for the Chicago Bears after shocking the world to start the playoff season and creating a seismic event in Seattle, Matthew Hasselbeck. How are you, Matthew? Good. Literally. Literally creating a seismic event. Now, was the building really shaking? Was it really shaking? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm just going with the, uh, you know, the National Geological uh, people said there. <laughs> or, uh, I even, I'm trying to sound smart. I can't even do it. I don't even know who, who you measured very earthquake. Smart. No, no, okay, no. good. No, you sounded very, very smart right there. Okay. You did. Well. You know, and, and plus, everyone's raving about your four touchdowns and your, your, your quarterbacking performance. To me, the way you handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch on that run, now that was impressive. It was a good handoff, and uh, it was a good play call in the huddle. You know, strong left slot, Z lefty, 17 power. You just doesn't just get, get to get it out good. You got to fire up the troops. You know, it's, a, it's what they call intangibles, Rich. Intangibles. Yeah, you've and got them. Also, also, making the decision not to block uh, Alex Brown in the back was, uh, was another good thing I did. Did on you really play. have an opportunity to do that? No, I mean, I don't even know if I'm physically able, but uh, but I, I, I actually had the opportunity to push him in the back, which uh, doesn't take a lot of skill to push somebody no, in the back. No, that it does I not. know I can do. No, it does not. What was it? So what was it like from your from your front row seat, that run, Matt? It was crazy, man. It was crazy. I mean, the crowd was going nuts. They were like, ah, and then he looked like he was tackled, and it kind of got quiet. And then all of a sudden, he broke out of it, and it was like, ah, again. And, uh, like, I was sprinting, and then I jogged, I slowed down. Then I started sprinting again, then I jogged and slowed down. I sprinted again. It was crazy. By the time I got to the goal line, I was so out of breath. It was awesome. I was like, can you believe this? This is amazing. I mean, it was second and ten. We were just trying to run the clock out at that point, and, uh, you know, we're looking for, like, two, three, four yards, and he takes it 67 for a touch. It was uh, it was awesome. And that wrapped it up. I mean, that is, even though Breeze did go down the field, just being part of that game, where, where does that rank for you? It was a lot of fun. I think partly it was so much fun because of who it was against. Uh, you know, it, that, that, that should have wrapped it up, but the fact that it was Sean Payton and Drew Brees and these guys who were just awesome on offense, uh, uh, it, it really didn't. They went down and scored. They had an opportunity to go for two. We stopped them on the two-point conversion, but it still came down to the hands team and onside kick. Uh, it came down to all those things. And, uh, you know, we haven't been in many 
close games this year. We've either won easily or gotten blown out. And so for us to be in a close game against a team that's very good playoff game that uh, you know no one expected us to even you know, even keep it close was uh, was a lot of fun and uh, it was worth uh, worth all the hard work. And did you hear from the free world after you won the game? Did you hear it? Did people blowing you up on a lot, hit, lot you on your of. Hip? A lot of people came out of the woodwork, Rich. <laughs> I mean, I, shoot, man, I got, I got, I got, I might have, might have gotten a Rich Eisen text. Actually, uh, I can't. Uh, no, you, are I, you? Can, I, are you? I'm not part of the woodwork. Nah, now. you're right. You're okay. right. I've been I there. Right. I've been I didn't there, get man. one. I didn't get no, one. No, I but, did uh, send you one, but I'm not. No, but I don't want to be. <laughs> You might you might have come up with that one. I got one. I got one. I put in there. I don't remember who I did this. Is do not answer. Maybe that might have been that you. That may be <laughs> it. Oh, you blocked me. That is so wrong. Because I've been there, man. I mean, your your mom's been a guest on Total Access. You That's know what true. I mean? That's you know? true. That's true. Betsy right. broke it down. Back. She broke yeah. down your cover too when she came on the show. She's pretty knowledgeable. I'll say, uh, I can, you know, growing up in a football family, we'd sit at the dinner table and uh, my dad would diagram like cover three, cover two. My mom was just kind of there. So I'm sure she, uh, she picked up a few things. So, uh, yeah, Betsy, uh, she knows what's up. She does. And she also told me you have to call my son Matthew when you speak to him. So I've always done that. So I've been yeah. there. That's all I'm saying. Matthew, yeah. you know what I mean? All right, all right, we're down, we're down, Richard. Okay, we're down. Okay, now now we can move forward. We can move forward. The Chicago Bears, you beat them, Matthew. You beat them earlier this year, but they were a different team, wouldn't you say? Were they were a different team then than they are now? Would you agree with that assessment? I would assume so. Uh, you know, uh, Lance Briggs did not play in that game. He's a, he's a great player, might be one of the better uh, defensive players in the game. And so that's a, that's a big, that's a tough thing for them uh, when he doesn't play. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that makes it go. And uh, so we've got our work cut out for us. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, for, I think one of the other things, we've got to rebound from such a big win, and we've got to regain our focus real quick here. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that could be distractions for us, and we're going to, we just got to hone in on, uh, on just worrying about us and doing our thing. But they're a good football team. They've got all the parts. They've got all the pieces. And uh, anytime you play someone the first time, there's kind of a blueprint of, like, why you won or why you lost. And so you never really know what you're going to see the next time. So we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a huge, huge challenge for us. So are you saying an 8-9 and nine team can get full of itself? Is that what you're saying right now? Rich, right? Rich, we're 1-0. and oh. We're 1-0, and oh, Rich. Okay, we're not 8-9. and nine. It's the playoffs. <laughs> we're 1-0. and oh. Okay, let me write okay. that down. Let me write, write that down. I need to take write, notes. Yeah. Write it down, Rich. Okay. We're 1-0. 1-0. Oh. Oh. You know what? Do you remember what? You remember our record in the preseason? Do you remember it? No, I don't. Actually. Yeah, yeah, me either. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. Our record in the regular season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, irrelevant. It's irrelevant. irrelevant. Throw the doesn't records matter. out. Throw the throw records out. out. Oh, so well, the, don't throw them out. We're one and zero. Okay, one and zero. Okay, you're one and zero, and now you're moving on to Chicago. What do you see? What do you think you? You need to achieve. If you could, if you could uh, wave a wand and say, "I'm going to do this on Sunday because it helps us win." What's the this? What is that? I think I think we got to push the ball downfield. We got to push the ball downfield on these guys. Uh, that that all comes with pass protection. But they uh, they're a little different than they've been in the past. Uh, they will play some man coverage. If they play some man coverage, we're going to take our shots downfield. They like to play cover two from time to time, which is fine. They're 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 one of the best teams at playing cover two. But we hit them. We kind of struck them in their holes deep last time they they played us cover two um you know at their place um so i think i think uh i think just pushing the ball downfield will, will help us and and if we can start to do that that'll 
soften things up for the run, and, and then we can get good run looks. And, and uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's, it's never easy going up against a good defense. you got to kind of take what they give you. But, uh, but knowing them, knowing how they've been playing, just what I've been studying, uh, our chance to win is if we can make some big plays and score some touchdowns. Now, should you improve to 2-0, and Matthew, okay, should you improve to 2-0 and and Green Bay do the same? Have you connected the dots yet? Have you connected I've connected the dots. I've connected the dots. That means Quest Field. Turn the lights on again. Turn the lights on. Seattle Seahawks are be hosting the NFC Championship game. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's so a big what if. So nobody's talking about the possibility? Nobody's even talking about that? I'm sure people are talking about it. But uh, I think one of the challenges, this would be one of my messages to my teammates this week and a message for myself is, you know, that Green Bay-Atlanta uh, game is going to be played the day before. Yes. And it would be very easy for us to get caught up in the emotion of that game and really care so much about that game you know, rooting for the Packers, uh, in a sense, so that we could host. Um, but I think what needs to happen for us, our emotion and our energy and our focus needs to be 100% on the Chicago Bears because that's something we can control, that game that's going to happen in Atlanta. Uh, that's outside of our control. And you can use my podcast to address your teammates anytime to send a message. By okay, the way. you can do right. that anytime. I, I just, I just did because I, I know, I know they subscribe to it, and yeah. uh, I know our coaches are big Rich Eisen fans as well. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, yeah. a lot of uh, we might actually name a play after you this week, Rich. Oh, really? I'm, I'm feeling third down, maybe, maybe, we, maybe, maybe red zone. A third down red zone play. Yeah, um, it would have to include misdirection because that's my forte. You know, really? Yes. Okay, misdirection. Okay. It's not. It's not my Matt forte, but it's my forte. You know, mm. misdirection in the red zone. Third, third and uh, let's go third and short. Let's go third and short because third and long. I want you to throw that one away, Matt. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, in the red zone. We, you know what I mean? It's a big okay. game. I want you to throw the third and long away in the red okay. zone. Okay. So you want a little misdirection? Yeah. All right. I'll talk to the, I'll talk to the coaching that staff. Run that up. Uh, Pete, hey, uh, Pete was a guest on the podcast way back in the first quarter of the season. He was a guest. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he's been on this podcast, and it, uh, and it served him well, I think. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, I'll name drop. I'll name drop. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm decent at that. I'm fair, fairly good at that. <laughs> what are you good at? I'm name dropping. You kind of name dropped today, too, by the way. I just wanted to give you oh, a little, yeah. you know, or maybe it was last week. I don't know when I, whenever you say, hey, come on the podcast. Hey, I got Troy Palomalu. That's right. I got Al Michaels. That's right. I got, you know, a little name dropping. Corolla. You know, Don't forget Corolla. Adam Why your name Corolla, dropping? Yeah. You know, yeah. so, but those are good names. Those are good names. Yeah. It swayed me a little bit. <laughs> See, I knew just the mere ask wasn't enough. I knew I knew I had to push this thing over the edge. All right, man. Well, it's listen. like with your book. It's kind of like with your book. You were <laughs> like, hey, hey, you want to contribute to my book? You're like, hey, Steve Hutchinson's writing a, a piece in my book. Yeah. You know, you, you named all these people that are writing Dilfer? pieces in your book. Dilfer? Dilfer? I know, because Dilfer. What, what do you think of Dilfer? What do you think he's doing? How, what, grade me. Grade me on how he's doing on ESPN, your guy. I think he's, I think he's doing a really good job. He I is. think he's doing a really good job. He's really improving. He's, he's very uh, he's, he's dramatic. You know, sometimes, which I think is good. You know, as producers probably enjoy that. Um, but but he also he makes up words. I've noticed he makes up words, and uh, and he just says it with so much confidence that you just you just believe that like uh, probably a word. You know, so or phrases. You know, right? So, he but, makes it sound. He makes him sound smarter. 
Yeah. Just right. sort of like what you did talking about seismology earlier before. That's true. That's true. See, do, that's, do, the whole, do some research on that one, though. It's pretty amazing. It's a good I, story. I am. I'm going to ask Al Michaels about it later on because he's, he's, he's the authority on these sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, he, he is. He's, he's a smart guy. Well, he he's had a very earthquake. smart guy. Well, he, he, when he's calling a World Series, and it was an actual earthquake, so he would know that's about right. these things. He would know about that, stuff. and he believes in miracles. <laughs> <laughs> and it all dovetails <laughs> after last Saturday, right? Although you would not believe that's a miracle. You believed it, right? You believed it. You believed beating. You're going to beat the Saints. You believed it the whole time. You know, I think when we got into our preparation and we started studying, we started seeing our plan come together, and we started watching these guys on film and knowing uh, what we did wrong the first time and the injuries that we had had, I think we started to feel like, you know what? Um, we got an opportunity to make these guys look normal. They're a great team, but we've got an opportunity, if we do our part right, uh, to make them look normal. And that's, 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 I think that's kind of what happened. There was a part in that game where they all of a sudden just looked like another team instead of looking like the world champs. And um, I think that confidence just came through film study and preparation in our plan. It had nothing to do with them at all. It just had something to do with us and, and what we felt like we could we could do. And, and that's going to be our challenge this week against a really good Chicago team who came on really strong at the end of the year. Uh, we've got to find ways. We've got to find weaknesses. We've got to find things that we can exploit. And we've got to, you know, be confident that we can actually get it done and, and uh, you know, get rid of all the outside distractions and just really focus in on, uh, for us, for for the Bears' defense, and um, and and that's what it's going to take. Good luck with that, Matt. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate. All right, it. anytime, Rich. Just yeah. let me know. You got. It. I will. I will. I'll text you, and you'll respond. And because I'm not part of the woodwork, this we're, we've learned a lot in this conversation. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very, very... Good friend. Good friend, Rich. <laughs> Thank you, very much. you take care of yourself. All right. See ya. All right. Take care, Matt Hasselbeck. Sounding giddy as a schoolboy. Michael Lombardi of NFL Network joining us now on the Rich Eisen podcast to talk about last week, get ready for this week, and all everything else that's going on. He sounds like a, a, as giddy as a schoolboy, pretty much, if you think about it. Well, I think when you have some confidence, and especially when the Seattle Seahawks haven't had a lot of confidence, I think it, it, it when you have success, it breeds some confidence. And I think going to Chicago, you know, the elements and all the factor will, will play in. But he knows he doesn't have to get into a chess match with Chicago. He's pretty much going to know what the coverages they are, and if they can execute, they've won there before. They actually moved the ball against them before. So I think he's got a reason to be to believe, as Bruce Springsteen would say. Yeah, but do you believe? When it's all said well, and done. I think it'll. I think it'll be a tougher game, Rich. I, I think Chicago's a different team than they were there, especially now. A couple factors: Chicago's field is not exactly conducive to speed and athleticism. It's kind of a slow, a mutter turf, and. The Seattle defense is all about their speed. They're all about their athleticism. I think Jay Cutler's playing at a high level right now. It's Chicago's offense, really, that's the dominating factor of their team. I think Seattle will move the football effectively. I'm not sure Seattle's defense can stop this Bears offense unless they create turnovers or the weather allows some mistakes. So it's on Jay Cutler. Is basically what you're saying this game. Yeah, I, I, you know, everybody thinks you hear Chicago monsters in the midway. No, you know, look, the Jets went in there. Mark Sanchez threw for over sixty percent. He's only done that seven times in his career, and one of them where it was against the Chicago Bears. So everybody can move the ball if you can handle the front. You can move the ball on the Bears. Now that being said, handling the front's a difficult enterprise. But last time Chicago was there, they did it. The last time Seattle was there in Chicago, they did it. The weekend starts in. Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about this with Troy Polamalu when he joins us later on the podcast. The Ravens and the Steelers, my gosh, what a matchup to start the weekend. How do you see this one playing out, Michael? 
Well, I think the key to the game is the Steelers' young receivers, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. Those guys are really emerging. They're starting to become a factor, and they're the difference in the Pittsburgh Steelers team from November and December to now. And I think that's going to really enhance their ability to stretch the field on the outside. Now, for Baltimore, their corners have played as well as anybody lately. You know, Josh Wilson, that's got to be one of the best trades they've ever made. And then, of course, Chris Carr comes in. They've got some stability at corner. I think it's going to come down to can Big Ben make a big throw up the field to Mike Wallace, and can they del- they keep Mike Wallace out of making the plays? Pittsburgh, to me, has more going for it right now. Baltimore offensively, I know what they did against Kansas City. They're not going to do that against Pittsburgh. Baltimore's offense is now down to Ray Rice and checkdowns. I just don't see them being explosive enough. What about the night game Saturday night? The Falcons coming off their bye week, taking on a Packers team that darn near beat them in the Georgia Dome back in week 13. How do you see that one? Well, you know, they, they they handled them in every facet of the game, except they fumbled on the one-yard line going in. I think Green Bay's a, a tough team, especially now that they've committed themselves to run. They're not going to go to Atlanta and run the football. But Aaron Rodgers can make enough plays with his arm, and these receivers are good. I think the pressure is going to be on Matt Ryan. If he can't throw the ball to Roddy White, then is Tony Gonzalez good enough to win at his age, one-on-one, and can this offensive line hold up against the rush? I think it's going to be a great, great game. I think the Packers are the team right now that you don't want to play because they can play right-handed and left-handed. Atlanta, we saw them against New Orleans a couple weeks ago. If you take away this running game from Atlanta, I don't know if they can be diversified enough in the passing game to beat a very good Packer team. And then the weekend wraps up with the the mother load. (laughs) What What a delicious, fat treat to send us all into the championship weekend than the Jets and the Patriots part three. Do you see another replay of that December Monday night disaster for the Jets and orgasmic 45 to 3 win for the Patriots. Which one do you see? Well, I think it'll be a closer game, obviously. The, the Jets are going to play a different style. They're not going to play as much man-to-man as they did the first game. They're going to play man-to-man, but they're going to try to funnel everything to the middle of the field, and that's going to create – now that now what's going to happen for the, the Patriots wide receivers is they're going to have to win on the outside, which they can do. The matchup problem for the Jets – remember, the Jets built their football team last year in the offseason to beat the Indianapolis Colts. They brought in Antonio Cromartie to play outside. They felt like they lost it. The Jets are not built to handle these tight ends of New England. It creates a problem. Conversely, the ball, the burden of victory is going to fall right on Mark Sanchez's hand. They're not going to be able to really run the ball consistently enough against the Patriot defense. And can Sanchez play? Now, the last two times he's been in cold weather, Chicago and Pittsburgh, he's won on the road, and he's been able to in Pittsburgh, and he went to Chicago, and he put up great numbers. Those two games there are part of the seven games that he's thrown for over 60% completions in his career. Very rare for Mark Sanchez to be that accurate. Weather's going to be a factor. If Mark Sanchez can make a couple plays in the passing game, if they can keep this game in the 24-25 area, they got a chance. If they can't, they're not going to get to 30 on New England, and New England get to 30. I think we're looking at, you know, 24-17 type game. And the Jets, the way they are set up, the trade of Randy Moss to Minnesota that let everybody wonder, you you sat down, Bill Belichick, and you asked him the question everyone was wondering, have you have you pulled the plug on this season? Are you already <laughs> moving on next year? And he looked at you like, you got to be crazy. Well, he's crazy like a fox because they're not only better overall without Randy Moss, they're better against their main competitor in the division. So what if Darrell Revis takes off out Fill in the blank. If it's Branch or Welker, so what if Revis erases 
their so-called number one receiver. Everyone else is a number one receiver on that team right now. And that, to me, is a big problem the Jets are going to have on Sunday. You don't know who the number one receiver you is. When you, go, when you go into the game, you don't. And I have a feeling it'll be, I think if, if I'm Rex Ryan, Aaron Hernandez is going to be covered by Cromartie. Now, Cromartie has not played well. And Cromartie struggles with quickness, which is the exact matchup Deion Branch gives him. And we saw it against Pierre Garçon last week. He really struggled. Garçon, I know he had to make some plays, but you're right. Rivas can only guard one. The matchups are, can these safeties and corners for the Jets match up against Krakowski and Hernandez. And it creates problems, and then Danny Woodhead. Can you isolate him on one of those linebackers? That's a problem as well. They're going to try to funnel the, the ball into the middle of the field and force Tom Brady to throw the ball in the outside quadrants. That's what they should have done in, in, in the last time they played him. They were late to react to that. I think that's how they're going to react. Look, blitzing Tom Brady's not going to work because one thing that's clear, Rich, the Jets' pressure package no longer exists. That was last year's Jet team, not this year's Jet team. And the, clearly there was no pressure package last week against Peyton Manning. They, they essentially laid back on him and let him check to as many runs as he liked, and they mostly worked except for that red zone. Have you ever seen Peyton Manning check to a run on third and medium in the red zone yeah. before ever? No, and I think the reaction he had after the play was very telling. I studied it on the tape here at NFL Films, and he was angry with himself for calling that. It worked one time, and he got trapped. He didn't see the safety coming down. He thought he had the same play that he had earlier in the game, and I think he really regretted that call. But, look, the, if, you, if you play the Colts, and this is really – that was Peyton Manning and a triple-A team. I don't care what anybody tells me. This is one of the worst Colt teams you're going to ever remember for a long, long time. And they struggled with Tennessee down the stretch. They struggled with the Raiders on the West Coast. They struggled with Jacksonville at home. They struggled everywhere. It was Peyton Manning's grit and determination that got them wins. But I think now with that offensive line, as poor as it was in that game, the Jets overpowered them. That won't be the case. The Jets sat back against Peyton Manning because they knew they could dominate the line of scrimmage. Against the Patriots, I'm not sure they have that same that same ability. There's no issue with him getting re-signed in Indianapolis, though, right? There's, well, it, it, there can't be. I mean, at some point when we get to a collective bargaining agreement, there'll be a franchise tag or else, you know, Peyton Manning could eventually go somewhere. And I don't see how that's good for the league. I think the franchise tag, both agreement from the Players Association, the last time we've had it in the negotiation, will stay in there in some form, which will keep Michael Vick in Philadelphia and will keep Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Is there any issue with Reggie Wayne, you think? He was really hot after that game. Not well, I, I think in, Reggie Wayne really was dealt a bad hand. They put him in one position. They never moved him around. They never set him in a stack formation. They never gave him a chance to be a better player. That's what New England does so effectively. They don't just ask the players to win. They put the players in the best opportunity to win, and I think Reggie Wayne got dealt a bad hand last week. He was in one spot all the time. They never moved him. They never motioned around. They never gave him a chance to be the guy, and I think he has a reason to, to, to be upset. All right, Michael. Thanks very much. All right, bye-bye. That's Michael Lombardi giving us all an idea of what went down last weekend and what could go down this weekend. Let's get to the man who called the Colts-Jets game on Saturday night. He's a five-time Emmy Award winner in his fifth season of calling Sunday Night Football on NBC 20 years as the voice of Monday Night Football. He is personified the big play voice in sports television, Al Michaels. How are you, Al? Rich, it's my off-season. I'm actually uh, <laughs> it's your I'm conflicted right now because uh, we get rolling and we go from August on and, and then it ends. And we only get to do the Super Bowl every three years, so that'll be next year, mm -hmm. hopefully. Uh, and I say hopefully because yes. of the uh, CBA situation, obviously. So uh, 
I'm off for a while. I, 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 I feel your I feel your pain. I have postpartum every time the confetti drops. Yeah, you, know, you know, I still talk combine and draft and and they are of interest and they 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 definitely uh, have their own feel those events, but nothing beats live games. Nothing beats them. No, and that's why, uh, you know, I've done this for so many years and, uh, you know, I've had some opportunities to do studio work or whatever through the years. But I was uh, drawn to this business by, uh, well, my father took me to games when I was a kid, and I just loved, you know, being in the arena, being in the stadium, uh, watching live events, uh, just being at the game. And so, uh, you know, I'm still pretty much a kid at heart in that regard and i get excited every time i show up at a stadium and the stadium begins to fill up and and away we go and we sure had uh, a bunch of great games this year uh, which culminated with the, the jets and the colts going down to the, the wire the other night and you've got such a great crew al i mean uh, obviously you and chris are spearheading this but uh your producer fred Gadelli, who i worked with at espn years ago drew essikoff your director everybody obviously it starts from the top with Eversol, but just just for fans to get a a glimpse of this, just the shot of Peyton Manning with his arms out after Jim Caldwell called that timeout. Now, I know cameras are following around Peyton Manning like a magnet, but the shot was just from underneath him, and it was a shot of him bewildered. That that alone is as important as capturing, you know, Manning uh, under center, as far as I'm concerned. There's no question, and, you know, you said that Chris and I spearheaded, but we think that, you know, Freddie and... Fred Gadelli and Drew Essikoff really spearheaded. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we follow their leads, and, and it, the great thing about it is, I mean, they're like great players, and they make everybody around them better. And, and you get shots like you saw the other night because our cameramen and audio people and all of the people, you know, on the show are, are excited and proud to be a part of the show. And so they work very, very hard, and that just doesn't happen. That that happens because there's a tremendous amount of preparation and and anticipation and you know in the old days old days you know 20 years ago or whatever you could just go out and hire you know guys who were very good technicians or cameramen or whatever who didn't really have necessarily a great knowledge of football but now we have crews where the the guys understand and the women uh they know as much about football as anybody they follow it closely they do a tremendous amount of studying uh freddie and drew are fantastic in terms of you know uh, getting them to anticipate great moments like that. So that just doesn't happen. I mean, if you were doing a movie, mm-hmm. you'd, you, as you know, Rich, you'd probably have to do 15 takes right. to get what Drew Essikoff gets live. And that's that's exciting. And the ratings are, are through the roof. At this point in time, uh, I read an article that the ratings for Sunday Night Football were so good this year, so record-breaking, that it's going to beat American Idol when it starts, I mean that American. No matter what American Idol does, it's not expected to beat uh, your football night in America, Al. So it looks like you might. Are, are you the Simon Cowell of sports? Is that what, is it? <laughs> I hope not. Hey, I don't want to sound like I'm sucking up to Dick Ebersole, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I've worked for Dick now for five years, after right. being at ABC for thirty years. And look, I've worked with some great people on 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 both ends through the years. But Dick has done such a magnificent job. Just the way he's positioned this show, uh, the way he's worked to, uh, you know, he, with, with John Madden retiring and mm-hmm. having Chris Collinsworth at the ready and getting Drew and Freddie when they were passed on by ESPN after they had been there for a number of years. Uh, I mean, that was a stroke of tremendous good fortune for Dick. And the great thing about Dick, too, is he knows how to promote. He has done a magnificent job 
promoting the show, making the show big, and um, it, it, gets, it gets paid off now by the fact that it's for the first time ever uh, primetime football is the number one show Unbelievable. on television. It's, it's fantastic. And Fox had its largest wild card audience ever. NBC just had its largest wild card Saturday audience ever. Why do you think this is, Al? Why do you think it's, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger when so many other sports and, and just television in general is so fractured? There's so many options. Why do you think the numbers are through the roof? For a number of reasons, Rich, but one of it is it's it's unscripted drama. Uh, there's so much on television now, and there are so many obvious uh, obvious cable channels and over-the-air channels, and and you can go anywhere and everywhere, and and uh, I think you get a little bored because there's just so much you can do on a scripted level. Now, granted, football. I mean, it, it's you're, you're playing a game. You, you still have you know four downs. You still have four quarters and all of that. So there's some sort of sameness in terms of the framework. But within that framework, you don't know what's going to happen. It's great. I mean, and the stories that evolve through the week, and of course, you know, you're involved with with all of those on the NFL Network because right. you're doing it on a daily basis. And, and I think a lot of people are watching watching that and, and reading newspapers, and they're interested during the week. And it's almost as if you can't wait for Sunday or Monday to get here so you can see how all of these stories uh, manifest themselves. I think that's part of the the, the, the lure. It's uh, people talk about reality television, but reality television, uh, apart from sports, is phony television to mm-hmm. me. I mean, that's you, you know you're, you're you're supposed to be part of a reality genre, so it's become very phony. Whereas real reality television is what's going to happen in, during tonight's game. I mean, we don't know, and I think too, Rich. Um, I don't think you can overstate the fact HD has made a tremendous difference. No question. People now can sit there. I mean, HD six or seven years ago was in very few homes, too expensive, and all of that. And then all of a sudden, almost overnight, everybody was able to afford an HD television set. You sit at home and you watch this. And, I mean, even when I'm doing a game, I'm amazed by how beautiful and how rich and how textured (laughs) it looks. It just looks great. And cable cam has been phenomenal. We had a shot the other night uh, where the uh, the Colts ran the ball to the left side of their offense, the right side, obviously, of the Jets' defense, and you saw what Manning saw with the defense collapsing mm-hmm. down inside mm-hmm. and this huge gaping chasm there that, that Rhodes was able to run through for a first down, and you saw it from behind Manning and just above his head. And, I mean, it was fantastic. So, as a, you know, to, to pick up on something I mentioned a couple of minutes ago with Drew Esrikoff and how he directs games, this is, you're watching a movie. This is a movie, but you know it's one take. It's phenomenal. So, uh, it is, when you mention reality TV, does that mean you're not keeping up with the Kardashians? Well, you know, you're <laughs> you're not, you're... it's so funny. I, <laughs> I knew Bob Kardashian for years. Sure. I met Bob like 25 years ago. So those girls, <laughs> I remember them as babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all grown up now. Yes, they have, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> they are all grown up now. Right. And if you think about the HD television, you know, that's the, the league is trying to figure out how to make sure that people still go to the games. And so Jerry Jones, his solve, his fix was to put the high-definition television between the 20s hanging from the roof of his stadium. Yeah, there's nothing like it. You've been there. I mean, it's just it's, it's the craziest thing I've I've ever seen, but it it kind of works. You know, Rich, I'm not that concerned that people won't show up to games because people, I think a lot of people just like to go to the office the next day and say, I was there. Right. Because there's there's a certain cachet 
that you have if you were at the game as opposed to I sat on my couch and, and went to the refrigerator? Well, think about it, Al. I mean, the people who, who watched Marshawn Lynch uh, on that run who apparently set off a seismic event <laughs> in the Seattle area right. b- by shaking the stadium that it did actually read on some seismometer somewhere. I saw that. That they will be talking about, I was there yeah. And then there will be people who are lying, saying they were there oh, to, to try and pass it up. Where were you? Because you were about to get started on the Jets-Colts. Did you watch that live in your booth? Well, we, we were uh, actually rehearsing the Open, but mm-hmm. we have a monitor there. And I was I just happened to, to glance at the monitor about halfway through the run. And, you know, when you're watching a monitor and you don't have sound and you're not sure, am I watching a highlight? Right. What am I seeing? Am I, am I seeing something from you know, uh, earlier in the game, last year, whatever. And then uh, we were about ready to rehearse, and and Fred Goodelli said in my ear, he said, you have to see this run by Marshawn Lynch. So I knew what it was. And, you know, we've been watching the game. And also, I was down on the field for uh, probably 45 minutes before the game. And, you know, in stadiums now, what they'll do is when there's another game going on, and we know this because on Sunday night we'll go out onto the field and, and the big screen will have the late game. Uh, playing in the stadium, mm. and so we we were able. To, I, I was able to catch a, a good part of it. <laughs> it's funny how it it also it, it it impacts the guys as they warm up for for their game, because as <laughs> as the earlier games get more exciting, they you know, the guys instead of stretching and doing the things they do on the field, they stop and and watch the uh, the big screen. It's uh, it's it's something that's only taken place in the last uh, couple of years, Rich. I get so many tweets and emails from people who want to know about how, how to prepare themselves in this business to be successful, and you obviously uh, have, Al. How do you, for those out there who are wondering about play-by-play, how do you prepare yourself for the unexpected? How do you prepare yourself for a Marshawn Lynch run, for an earthquake happening during the World Series, or something in your career that uh, that co- crops up in a game? Can you do that? Is that something that you can do? Well, you can't specifically prepare, certainly for an earthquake. I mean, that's right. the last thing on my mind. But I've, I've found what serves me pretty well is take your time. In other words, just slow down a little bit. If something crazy happens and unexpected, and, uh, there's a part of you that wants to blurt something out. And I've, um, I, I've guess, I, I guess it's experience, and I've done this for, you know, for so many years, that you, you just um, the crazier it gets, the cooler you have to stay. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you can't give it the, the call because, look, a Marshawn Lynch call, if I'm calling that run, you know, I want to say something that, that fits the run and that, you know, in posterity sounds pretty good when people look at it again down the line. But but um, you just have to um, – there's a pacing and a tempo and a rhythm. And, you know, the players are always saying the, the, the longer they play, the more the game slows down for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that may uh, apply to broadcasting as well. I think it comes with experience. And, again, it means, I think you, you just have to strike that balance of, of um, putting things in perspective and showing the excitement that's applicable to a, a given situation. Now, the earthquake is completely different. Yeah, That's of course. something that, wow, you know, what just happened here? And you're, you know, collecting facts more than anything else. And that, it's funny. That was 21 years ago, and yet we've come so far in terms of how we would cover that now. I mean, in those years, you really didn't have the Internet, and you were beholden to, like, phone calls from people. And so you had to collect information and then go through in your mind – 
you know, what's true, what's not true, what's overstated, where are we getting this from, and, and, and all of that. So I've always felt that the key thing would be to just make sure you're right. Mm-hmm. You can't always be right. We're doing three hours and 20 minutes of live television every week. I'm going to make mistakes. You just have to make them. But, you know, try to just make sure, try to make sure as 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 close as you can get to to being a hundred percent accurate, and I think that's uh, you know that, that's essential. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, you can get to like ninety eight percent. Let's talk a little football. What do you what do you see from here on out for the playoffs, Al? Do you see uh, anybody knocking off the New England Patriots from here on out? I don't at the moment, but you know, <laughs> I like to say, and I've said it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks in the NFL, don't assume anything. And I think one of the reasons we love it is you can't figure out what's what's going to take place next. So, you know, you look at New England and the Jets, 45-3 to was the final score in what was a, a huge game going into that game. Will that happen again? I doubt that. Uh, the, the, the Patriots were able to jump on them that night and pretty much ended the game by early in the second quarter. So, you know, 45-3 sounds like the all-time route, and it is, but I think at 21 to nothing, that was the end of that game. Um, I don't see that happening again. I think the Jets obviously are going to play better. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the game. I think New England is the better team. They have home field advantage. I'd give them the edge in that game. Um, in terms of Baltimore and Pittsburgh, can't wait to see that. I mean, that's that's become be a phenomenal rivalry. and. We did uh, we did the game in Baltimore where Paul Amalo came in and he, and won the game for them at the end. So I mean that's going to be another knockdown. He's unbelievable. Him. He's unbe- he's coming. Fantastic. He's he's following you actually on this very podcast. And you just followed oh, Matt, Matt Hasselbeck to talk about things that you never know, right? That's, but but right. but Paul Amalo. I mean, when, when he was out for two weeks, he comes back yep. seven seconds into the game. Yeah. He <laughs> the ball found him and yeah. he picked it off. He is yeah. truly unbelievable. That he, guy. He's, he's wonderful. To I mean, there are guys that you just love. You can't wait to see them. And, and, and look, he's, you know, you, you can't miss him, obviously, with the flowing mane and all of that. And, and just the way he plays and lines up and, and, and moves, uh, you know, your eyes are drawn to him. So, and he's, you know, given us so many, you know, great memories through the years. Tremendous player. You know, you love guys like that, especially if you have a game where, you know, you can focus on somebody like that and you you hope he does something. I mean, you go back to, you know, the great defensive players. You think about Lawrence Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously when when Taylor was playing for the Giants, you couldn't miss him. Uh, you always knew where he was, even a television viewer. Forget forget the offense. The offense obviously had to know where he was on every play. But the TV viewer, you know, couldn't miss him. And it's just pretty much the same thing with, with Paul Amalo. I love covering guys like that. And and in the NFC, before I let you go, because yep. Troy is calling in, right? Uh, do you do – you, so many people are on the Packers bandwagon right now. I mean, that's, right. a, that, that's a full bandwagon. Are, are you are – you, are you one of them, or you think the Falcons are, are really the one seed for a reason here? The, the, that's going to be a, a, a fascinating game. Look, the thing about the Packers, how many times this year have we had a different best team, Rich? Right. Early in the season, they're the best. Then they, they slump. Then they're the best again. Then they have a little problem again, and Rodgers gets concussed. Now they're the best again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and it, you know, I, think, I think Atlanta gets short-shrifted because they just haven't had a lot of national exposure this year. Uh, so they're probably better than a lot of people think they are. And in the other game, I'm telling you right now, Rich, we saw what Arizona did two years ago. Yes. You know, if, if Pittsburgh doesn't affect one of the great 
drives of all time, and Holmes doesn't make that incredible catch. And at the end of the half, Harrison doesn't run that back. Mm. The Lombardi Trophy's in Glendale, Arizona, with a 9-7 and team mm-hmm. that played brilliantly. What will Seattle do against Chicago? I don't know, but I think they're going to give them a game. I really do. I think it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a fabulous weekend. You, you know, if they if the Seahawks make the Super Bowl and lose it, they'll be 10-10. and 10. The, the, <laughs> That's right. the only way they can finish above 500 is if they win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, it really is unbelievable. Good point. Hey, Al, we appreciate the time. I'd love for you to come back in the okay. non-playing season, as we call it, and uh, so we can have more time, and I'd love to just dig into the whole broadcasting business with you, too. Well, I heard the second time you're on the podcast, you yes. get a free Mercedes, so That's I'm right. your man. Yeah, Dennis Miller's driving one of those around, and, and <laughs> I've got to talk to you next time about all those stories that he tells about. Oh, uh, I can't wait. Together. Al, Great. thanks again. Thanks, Rich. Take care. You bet. Let's move on now back to the field of play. We have on the phone line right now a Pro Bowl all-pro, all-world, future Hall of Famer. I just talked about it with Al Michaels, uh, and he's now joining us on the phone line, getting ready to come off the bye and take on the Baltimore Ravens to kick off divisional playoff weekend. Troy Polamalu of the Pittsburgh Steelers joining us on the Rich Eisen Podcast. How are you, Troy? Thank, thank you for that, uh, I would say, crazy <laughs> crazy introduction. Crazy? <laughs> Why is that crazy? It's all true. It's all, uh, no. it's all true, Troy. I mean, have, have you at all sat back and thought about what type of presence you have become on a football field? Have you, have you lent, let yourself take that perspective? Uh, you know, I'll probably say this for all athletes is that I think that, you know, while you're still playing, you really rarely have time to really sit back and look, you know, look back at your career while you're in the midst of it. But what you've become though, uh, for for the Pittsburgh Steelers is something that uh, is actually quantifiable. You can see the statistics when you're in the game and when you're not. Does that in any way, shape, or form uh, lend you to wanting to be out on the field more when you're when you're dinged up as you were at the end of the regular season? Well, I definitely always want to be out there. You know, I enjoy playing with with my brothers out there. That's that's my biggest motivation. Um, is is the passion to play this game? Um, whether the statistics are are more wins and losses or a more successful defense, um, obviously we never pay attention to any of that. Um, Coach Tomlin's always said anybody that's on the field is either a starter or a starter in waiting, and uh, our whole team is taking on that mentality. How are you feeling right now? You know, I, I felt better than I than I felt definitely in the last couple of months. So that bye week was helped myself out as long as as well as a lot of the, of my teammates. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought that the bye week was necessary for a lot of people, but you in specific—that's what everyone was talking about. So you're saying that the the bye week has gotten you to uh, what percent? Can you say yourself right now? Well, I think at this moment, nobody's a hundred percent. You know, in, in the whole, you know, that's still playing right now. It's just such a long season. These sixteen games, you know, wear on your body. Um, that was my little, my little, you know, motivation that we shouldn't go to eighteen games. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that train's going to leave the station, though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, you know, but we've been battling injuries or. Or you know, the guys have had to fill in big roles from the very beginning of the season. From you know, from Dennis and Charlie filling in as a starting quarterback. But we've faced uh, injuries in our offense and defensive line, uh, in our secondary, and uh, we've held it together pretty well. So when the Ravens beat the Chiefs, and it became apparent that you were going to see this team for a third time this year, what was what went through your mind when you finally found out the Ravens are coming to town? 
Well, it was it was nice to know that you know we could finally game plan and get ready for for um, for you know for a team, a specific team, um, rather than watching film of three different teams that you could possibly play. Uh, when we found out it was Ravens, it was just you know it's like oh here we go again. You know we we just got to gear up. We know what kind of game that we've always played in. It's always been close physical games, and um, we don't expect to bring anything different um, this coming Saturday. Well, is there, is there, uh, let's start, let, let me, let me go with this in this direction here. When you step on the field, Troy, I mean, you're such a mild mannered guy. What, what are you, what, what goes through your mind to get yourself ready for a game in which you must hit somebody and it's your job <laughs> to hit them as hard as you possibly can in the most legal fashion, obviously. How, can you walk us through that process? Honestly, I don't think I, you know that preparation is just becomes part of your life. Um, I've played football in, in the NFL for eight years, but that's four years in high school, four years in college, you know, in little league. So that whole preparation it just becomes a, a part of your life. Right. But what is that part? What What is it like to to get yourself ready for battle, for the lack of better phrase? I on. What I mean is that I I don't prepare myself in that way. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just so much a part of your life and a part of your being because, you know, every time at this time of the year I've always been playing football, mm-hmm. and uh, it just becomes so much a part of your lifestyle, so much a part of who you are because you've been you know because I've been doing this for my entire life. Um, it's just it's just innate. I guess it's like any racehorse that gets into the stalls. You know, it just knows that it's time to race. And it's now you know it's time to hit somebody is what you're saying when you get it's, out on the field. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I don't, I don't really like to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody really likes to hit. It doesn't feel good, you know, even when you're delivering the hit. Right. Obviously, nobody likes to hit anybody. Uh, but you've been you've been very outspoken about the 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 league and and what has happened this year in terms of putting more teeth in the rule book. And and it seems that the Steelers have uh, found themselves on the business end of those teeth, uh, perhaps more than any other team. Do you feel that? The, do you feel now that you have the retrospect to look back at the full season, regular season, that 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 the Steelers have been put upon by this rule more than any other team? Um, I, honestly, I don't know, but um, I don't I don't feel that we were targeted um, by any means. What my complaints about. Um, how the league handled it was not that the, the not specifically about the rules, but about about a more democratic approach into applying the rules. You know, I didn't think that that maybe one or two guys should make 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 the decision on who gets fined and for what. You know, I thought that that players, maybe current players or coaches, should be involved, and and not even the the co- competition committee because the competition committee is put on by by the the commissioner himself, you know, so it's so I, I just think that that there's just got to be more voices heard on both sides on on the, from the front office to the people that are actually playing the game. So but if, from what I'm reading though, it does seem that the players are getting more of a voice uh and in fines and appeals and things of that nature. You you don't feel that that's the case though? Um well, the voice is one thing, but actually making law or enacting some type of rule is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have such a beautiful government where people can voice their opinion about certain things, and and hopefully we hear that the government hears it in the same way. And I know this is this is a business, but in the same way, I think the National Football League should be ran. Uh, 
um, obviously the commission has heard our voice, but I think the commission also needs to put some put some type of committee together that 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 is representative of the players, the coaches, the front office, or or the owners, um, in order to have a, like a real democratic to, to hear all the voices um, about all fines, not only on the field but um, whether it's moral issues or or, or, or whatnot. Has, have you spoken to the commissioner at all, one-on-one? No, I haven't. Would you like to do that? Because I'm sure he would. Um, you know, I honestly, I would definitely like to speak to him about this. But quite honestly, whatever I've said is no different than what anybody else in the league has, 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 has confronted him about. But I can arrange this sort of thing, Troy. That's, what this podcast, <laughs> that's, that's the power of this podcast, is it, is it can be arranged. It's just, you know, schedules. We'll, 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 we'll hook you up with the commissioner's people, because I'm sure his door, his door is open. I know that. And, and, and he likes to uh, talk to a lot of players. And, and you've definitely been very vocal on this issue. Certainly when... when uh, when uh, when somebody of your of your caliber is is talking about it too, it, it definitely stands out. There's no question about that, Troy. I, I'm sorry, I, I lost you there for the very last part. No, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that if, if, there's no doubt that when someone of your caliber speaks out on this issue, it stands out, and 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 certainly somebody who plays a position in the, in the in the manner in which you play it, it stands out. Well, I don't think it should it should depend on a caliber of any player. You know, I think all the voices, whether you're a free, whether you're a rookie free agent, or whether you're a, you know, a five-time Super Bowl winner, I, I think that all voices should be heard equally. But um, but the point of the matter is that is that that what's nice about it is that the commissioner does hear what we're saying and. Um, we just need to have something done about it. Let's talk about twitchange.com. It is uh, a a a charitable endeavor that you have lent your name to and your voice to and uh i know that's something that you find near and dear to your heart explain to the listeners what twitchange.com is and how they can be a part of it well twitchange first of all uh, we're raising money um for operation once in a lifetime which is kind of a make a wish for soldiers um you know soldiers have to fly their way back home if they're if they're on a base overseas or or help pay their mortgage um whatever um uh, it's just to make a wish, you know. Um, we hear a lot of different things. We've gotten um, a car for uh, a soldier whose daughter was handicapped, so they needed a special van, um, treatments for cancer. Um, but what Twitch Change is, it's about uh, sending out like a, a, a mention or something like that from a certain celebrity. Or I, I gave up um, for, for the last Twitch Change two tickets to a home game, and people can bid on that and mm-hmm. hopefully raise money for this uh, charity. And and in terms of in terms of doing that, uh, how can somebody get involved? How can somebody get involved in the in the uh, the auction? There's it, it's uh, there's some auction that's coming up for. Well, the for... auction I, I think the auction starts uh, January 29th. Mm-hmm. But right now we're just trying to compile a list of celebrities that are going to join. And we've got a lot of big name celebrities that are that are joining it, and um, it's going to be really exciting to see how much funds we can raise for the veterans. So folks can go to twitchange.com and, and learn more, is what you're saying? Yes, definitely. Twitchange.com is where you'll find all the information. Excellent. I wanted to get you on the podcast not only to tell us about uh, your readiness for the Ravens, but also to talk about that, because I know it's important to you. Oh, thank you. And again, for some people who watch you and, and, and the way you run around and the way that your hair is flowing and the way that, uh, <laughs> that, that everything uh, seems to be colliding, and then hearing your your mild matteredness again, and 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 your the peace with which you seem to have wash over you, 
it, it just again, it's it's difficult for people to commute to compute that sort of thing, and and, and it's 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 something that uh, maybe out of anybody in the NFL, it's it's a dichotomy that's it's difficult to compute. Well, I guess it d- depends on how people stereotype football players, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think uh, the big the big stereotype is that you know we're going to be. Uh, you know, standing on top of kegs in the middle of parties or jumping on bar stools, you know, <laughs> at clubs. But uh, for the most case, that's not true for any football player. And this and this week, how do you prepare for for a game on a short week? Even though you are coming off of a bye week, I, 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 certainly a team that you know very well. Uh, how how different is it going to be? Just in the mere fact that there's so much on the line, taking on a team that you know. I think what's great about this matchup is um, whether or not it's the AFC Championship game or a division game or whether it's it's just a, a regular season opening weekend game, it's always been a play, playoff atmosphere. Um, the game between us and Baltimore has become so much a chess match of field position and turnovers and and um, special teams. All these little things really are exposed Um and making the big difference of winning and losing when you play when you play the Baltimore Ravens. As far as preparation, um, I don't know. We've gotten ready for these guys, you know, quite eight times in the last two years, you know, um, or three years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. You just you just kind of know what to expect going in the games. But the officers a little twist and hear that 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 they give and that will give in order not to, to just get too complacent. Right. Well, Troy, appreciate you joining us. And, uh, before, before you go, would you care to completely step out of character and guarantee victory, you know, just for the, <laughs> just for the podcast, you know what I mean? No, is that, I don't know. I think what I said about the commissioner is enough for the, has raised enough, you know, okay. drama, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> drama. You are such a drama queen, Troy Paul yeah. That's what you are. Hey, listen, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to speaking more with you down the line. And twitchchange.com is where everybody can go and find out more about this super charity. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you, Troy. Bye. Now we're going to take a turn here on the Rich Eisen podcast, perhaps the biggest turn we've ever made in the history, uh, short history of this podcast, what having uh, just hung up. With Troy Polamalu, we now turn to the voice and host and creator of the Adam Carolla podcast on the Ace Broadcasting Network, Adam Carolla. Adam? Great to be back, Rich. Good to have you on this program. You, you and uh, Polamalu, that sounds like a great, uh, a great duet, a great comedy team, wouldn't you think? We both have the hair of the black man. <laughs> We're both free spirit. Right. We're both Capricorns. <laughs> and we both like, you know, bringing the lumber. You like bringing the wood. I yeah, know that. Come up for run support. Yeah. Maybe he's also a long snapping expert as well, like you. <laughs> Maybe he's got that in him. We just don't know. We don't call ourselves long snapping what, experts. What do we We're, call ourselves? Well, it's like you just say black belt. You don't say black belt karate <laughs> expert. Right. Black belt says it all. Long snapper. Right. You know what the guy does. <laughs> if he's bad, he's not going to be a long snapper. That for long, not for long. That's what that's what the NFL stands for, brother. That's what it stands <laughs> for. Long for. snapper. So I, yes, where did you have where did you have things falling this weekend? Did you did you pick them all right? Did you get it all? Did did, I, did you pick the Seahawks this week? I, I did pick I did pick the Seahawks uh, as the only person 
in North America, including <laughs> me- many members of the Seahawks, mm-hmm. their front office, and their coaching staff. I picked the Seahawks because when I was sitting in Miami watching uh, the Seahawks beat my Rams right. on a Sunday night, I turned to the guy next to me and I said, well, you know what's going to happen now? The Seahawks will beat New Orleans when they come to town, and then they will be destroyed. At that time, I said, by Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the worst possible scenario. Uh, They will play, they will beat a good team that you'd like to see go a little bit further and defending Super Bowl champions in the New Orleans Saints, and then have a very lopsided, boring match against some other team (laughs) when they're playing at their field. This is the worst that could happen. I, I would argue... Uh, a moral victory for my Rams, and it's close to a significant... Yes. The Seahawks' win over New Orleans is the biggest Rams win of the last nine years. <laughs> what that, was that? That's how sad it is, being a Rams fan. <laughs> it's an actual Seahawk victory. We're the 13th man. You're the 13th man. No, actually, I think the 13th man, unfortunately, for the Saints with Roman Harper, their safety, who got absolutely toasted by uh, by Matt Hasselbeck all day. Not to go all X's and O's on you there, Adam, but, I mean, it was pretty awful what was going yeah, on. Yeah, Matt. Well, what I said to uh, the guy who was sitting next to me. Uh-huh. Uh, who I was said, the guy sitting next to you? His Give him name some is pop. Mike August, and oh, he, I know he books my shows, and yeah. you've met Mike. Of course. I, I, and he, and he, his dad was actually a college football coach. And uh, I said, you know, Hasselbeck is, a, is still a good quarterback, and I know he's been injured, but he's a veteran, and he's, he's kind of good at crunch time. He's mm-hmm. pretty – I mean, he's had a couple of – Couple of bad predictions uh, in in OT, but he he's a good veteran quarterback. And New Orleans has been all over the road this year. I mean, for for a team that won the Super Bowl last year, and I know this frequently happens, but they've just been all they've been totally inconsistent. And I could very easily see them going into uh, Seahawks Stadium and losing losing a close one. What about your Rams? What do you, what can be done? They looked a few playmakers shy, Adam. They looked a several playmakers shy. What do you think your Rams should do? I'm giving you full voice right here. I think that the Rams, I mean, you know, you, you talk about uh, personnel constantly, but as we as we can see from Belichick, who's constantly referenced in this way, and the revolving door of a comedian of, of comedic wide receivers who've guys who were cut, guys you've never heard of, guys who were playing junior college ball earlier in the semester and still putting up 31 points a game. There's an intensity that the Rams have lacked for a quite some time, probably uh, since Vermeil. I mean, if you take a look at the Rams, no team is more okay with losing. Uh, no, wait a minute. The Washington Generals are the only (laughs) – they are tied with the Rams in terms of okay with losing. Like, you know, when when you're going in and playing for your first playoff spot in in a number of years and you go in and you play Seattle and you can't put the ball in the end zone, there should be some guys on the sideline throwing their helmets on the ground and kicking Gatorade buckets. And they always – you see the Rams, they always seem to be pretty – yeah, but you don't want your coach to turn into like the Three Stooges and gouge somebody's eye out or hit him over the top of their head. Is that what you're looking for? You're I'm looking for outward violence? Is that what you're looking for? You want to talk? I, I'm, 
I'm talking about one well-placed shot with a snow <laughs> shovel <laughs> for anyone who fumbles or uh, muffs a punt boy. or is offside. <laughs> now, I'm saying you take a look at what a lot of these other teams have been able to do with guys that were, you know, Danny Woodheads of the world, right. and you realize maybe it's not so much about having a 40-inch vertical leap, and maybe it's a little more about intensity and being smart and, and executing. And, I, I, you know, obviously a couple playmakers aren't going aren't to hurt, but just the Rams, I'd like to see a little eye of the tiger mm-hmm. in there especially going into what what was one of their biggest games of the last, you know, at least five, yeah, but they, seven but years. But you didn't even expect – the fact that they were in one of those games, though, you know, I'm, I'm not, and I don't think that means you're okay with losing, but at least you're in that game. I mean, it's been a while for you to be in yeah, a game like that. And, and, but, again, you know, being 500 is <laughs> – <laughs> well, you weren't even that, unfortunately. But right, and it wasn't even enough to make the playoffs. But, right, right. But at least you can you can you can take solace in that and move forward, Adam Carolla. You... I, I I shall, and like I said, that uh, that Seahawks victory over New Orleans was the biggest franchise <laughs> win for the Rams in the last eight years. So oh, man. rejoice, Rams. Do you see fans. Marshall's uh, a finalist for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame? One of the people you have a man crush on here who works for NFL Network. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is uh to be a lot of guys uh sitting around or walking around that network that'll be mm-hmm. going in or at least have gone Dion, in. Dion's on the list too. Prime's Boy, on the list too. He is uh absolutely what a phenom that guy is. I mean, the, the idea that uh not only one of the greatest DBs ever to play the game, but a pretty damn good baseball player and does a great job next to you. Thank you. And uh, Mooch and, and Michael. I mean, it is, it is so, look, I don't want to, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to toss any negativity around, but <laughs> when you see the four of you and then you watch something like Inside the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, save Chris Collinsworth, it's really quite a difference. The energy, the attitude, it's just, it, it's, it's just a great. It's a great chemistry. You guys really well, got a I good appreciate, thing going on. I appreciate you saying that, Adam. It means a lot that somebody of your of your stature would would be choosing us over others. It means a lot. Run, tell that. Run, tell that to all your friends. I uh, I, I will go shout it from the highest <laughs> mountaintop, which I think is Wilson. Well, yeah. you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you commissioner for a day, Adam Carolla. Mm. I have the power here on the podcast to do that. You well, are now the commissioner. Okay. Of the national. Football League. Your first order of business would be what? Well, first off, to congratulate myself, because I don't know <laughs> if I told you, but I told anyone else, all my football, my degenerate gambling buddies, my cousin Sal's and Bill right. Simmons's of the yeah, world, right. I told them all, look, here's how OT should work. If in you kick a field goal, the other team should get a shot with the ball. Right. If you punch it in, you punch it in. That's one thing. But there's nothing worse than you guys winning a coin toss in a dome stadium with, you know, 71 degrees with no win. And, you know, some guy, Venetieri, putting, putting through a 52-yarder and your team didn't even touch the ball. Mm-hmm. That is the least rewarding thing in sports. So I said, if you're going to kick the field goal, you have to do it that way. And I'm glad they adopted that. Um, Next one, back to the field goal. After, I don't, you, after you congratulate yourself. Yes, this, that's this, the first this, order of business. 
congratulate myself. What is it? Would there be a ceremony? Would you call a press conference? I mean, when what what manner would you congratulate yourself? Well, it'd, it'd be it'd be it'd be casual. <laughs> Uh, casual, I would say business attire would be appropriate. Okay, all right. Uh, secondly, I'm going out whoring because I'm only going to be commissioner for one day, and I'm only going to have the sash you, for one day. But you've got to you've got to leave the office the way you found it. I mean, Roger's got to get it back without any 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 problems. You know what I mean? I'll put a tarp down on the sofa. <laughs> that's that's the way I feel. In the corner office sofa. Yes. Okay. Uh, thirdly, if I you know during my refractory period. I would definitely say <laughs> let's raise the height of the goalpost. I cannot see another ball go over the top of that bar. Oh, and not over the bar, over the over the post themselves. Over the upright. Over, over the, the upright. Okay. Yeah, and have the sixty-two-year-old guy with uh, dementia and a uh, bad ticker and a, a, a certain. Uh, uh, yeah. Astigmatism, looking straight up in the air to see if that thing would have one in or one out. I've seen way. I've seen it at the college level this year, where I just seen some balls rocket over the top of the upright, and if that thing extended another eight feet, could have easily caromed in. I don't get it. They they raised it once already. Raise it again. Keep the guy's got up. too much leg. And now forward forward the idea you forwarded to me when I was a guest on your podcast a couple of months ago about turn. You want to turn the uprights into like a fork. You want to add a third upright, correct? I'd like to put one right down the middle, mm-hmm. and if you can hit it, that'll be good for. What do we agree on? Five points. We, well, it depends on how far away. You can't. It, it's three points from inside the thirty. Right, I think we did that. Uh, four points from the. It's sort of like a fantasy. Well, you're football. getting three points anyway. Okay, from so inside be, okay, the all right. So four points inside the thirty, and then five points from any from, from further out. It would make it very exciting on those games where it was your team was down by four points or five points, and there was a, you know eight seconds left on the clock, and instead of that hail mary, you'd get the guy out to see if he could hit that center post. For more points, that would yeah. be that would be it, it. It would also turn the game into sort of like a carnival game, right? Isn't it one of those things? It's like you throw it in the basket, you get a, a stuffed animal. It's sort of like a turning into a carnival game in a way, though. But I I do like it though. I it, it adds some excitement. I think we all want. I, I think we all remember that that feeling that we had when we were kids like remember when you're a kid and you'd just be playing some pickup hoop or something like that mm-hmm. and you'd have that thing where you'd be down by 10 points but you'd announce to the guy okay if i can hit this half quarter then we're all tied up and they'd always agree and there's this this, this way of getting back into the game somehow mm-hmm. somehow immediately kind of like what they do in all-star games when the team that's up uh, when the team that's down scores, then they also get to receive the kickoff. Don't they do? Do they do that on like certain All Star games? You know what I'm saying? If you're down by 21 points and you score, right? You get to receive the you get the ball again. You get. I don't. What 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 All Star game is that? I may be making that up. Could it, 
I swear. It could be the superstars with Howard Cosell and Robert Conrad back oh, in the back. That man. might have been before the tug of war with Adrian Barbeau. That could oh, have been it. That oh, could have been it, Adam. Gabe Campbell just putting a beat down on Bobby Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> How bad is that? That was it. I, was, I loved watching the superstars back oh, in the day. Oh, my just God. Howard that. Cosell. Look at Adrian Barbeau oh. tug on the rope, and <laughs> suddenly Team ABC is the winner. I could. Uh, uh, it, you know, it was always, it was great. I mean, when Ad- I could remember the calls, she's going into the dunk tank. She's got you know, people dropping their food and running down the hall. Uh, although it was great when Adrian Barbeau went in the dunk tank. Oh, my God. I, I, I'll tell you, that was, uh, well, first off, that's when there were nine celebrities on the planet. <laughs> like, there was... If you removed Walter Cronkite, there was a total of 10 people on television. And so you knew every single human being that was on TV. Right, and they were all on the love boat. Eight of them were on the love boat, but it's like... You knew who everybody on TV, if you were, now it's so weird. You meet people. It's like, what do you do? I'm on TV. <laughs> like, you are? <laughs> well, all you got to do is uh, think about it. You got to have abs at the, in Raritan Bay or, you, or, you, or you're, you give birth at age 15. I mean, anybody's on television now. So oh. It sort of ruins it for all of us, Adam, if you think about it. Well, it, just it, sort it, of, it sort of cheapens it for everybody. It, it it does because it it turns it again. It, it's like you have no idea how many channels there are, how many people there are. Mm-hmm. It's sort of it's sort of like when bands are huge in South America and you've never heard of them, and people keep explaining to you that they sell out soccer stadiums, and mm-hmm. it just it doesn't matter because you've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if a hundred thousand people have gone to their events. It doesn't matter. You don't you don't care, and it's that way with TV now. And I don't know. I th- I think we should consolidate it a little more. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like uh, maybe someone should. Uh, you know what? We should take that network away from Oprah. We have enough. <laughs> I should commandeer that. That that would be uh, item number four when you're the commissioner of the oh, NFL. Oh yeah, for the that's day. right. That'll be I'm item. still. Oh, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Still a commissioner? Yes. Here's what's driving me nuts. They're yeah. doing it at the pro level. They're doing it uh, on the college level as well. Guys are getting wrapped up. on. In, you know, they're doing a running play. They're getting three yards. They get wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Someone ho- gets them down low. Five guys get them up top. And they're blowing the whistle frantically, but they're still pushing forward and backward and forward and backward. And these guys are getting twisted up into pretzels. I mean, you have guys that are wrapped up. You know, there's one guys around their ankles and knees, and the other guys are pushing them backwards. And it's like, hey, when that whistle blows, stop bending these guys around. You're not, and by the way, runners, you're not getting another yard. You're just getting another opportunity to fumble the ball and be stripped. So you, as commissioner, would would what would it be? Would it be louder whistles or 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 I would I would, I would, them? I would, would, I would trade in. Uh, here's what I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, as, as human beings, and as the NFL gets bigger, stronger, and faster, I think their ability to hear the whistle is going away. I think they need the air horns they start the boat regattas with. And, and seriously, when that horn goes off, you let go of whoever you're currently hanging on to, mm-hmm. or you're getting, 
you're getting fined. So, so item number five, I think, because four is the Oprah Network would be would be removed, uh, and we we'd consolidate all the morass of reality television on just one network. Right. So then five would be give all of the officials an air horn. Is that what yeah, it be? Yeah, whistle is not is not cutting it anymore. Okay, because so, you see them, they're blowing the whistle. And these guys are still bending each other. I mean, somebody's going to tear their knee up badly just getting pushed bent backwards. Essentially, so Ed Hockley with an air horn. I'm trying to I'm trying to Hock, see what would that was? Hockley with a horn <laughs> coming to coming to ABC this fall. <laughs> <laughs> he wakes his kids up every morning. Listen. Uh, you know, if they can give Strahan a sitcom, why can't Hockley get a sitcom? I, he, he should be. He should be. He should be. Yeah. Hockley with a horn. Yeah. And there's I like a, it. And it, it's loosely based on him. And there's uh, a lot of that stuff where the wife does the, listen, I'm your wife, not an opposing coach. So back off with your attitudes. A lot of, a lot of, and a lot of, time out, time out. There's a lot of that stuff. So it's a dramedy. It's a dramedy, but it tugs at the heart. And, no, it tugs at the horn strings. There you go. Yeah. At the horn uh, strings. My, my number six thing I'd like to do yes. as commissioner is, you know when that DB drops the sure interception, the sure pick six? Yes. Does the thing where it hits him in the chest, bounces on the ground, bounces back up to his chest somehow again. Right. And then they will somehow advance the ball after it's bounced off the off the carpet, mm-hmm. and the whistle's blown. They'll still do sort of, there's a frustrated, I'm going to run it out to right. the end zone yes. kind of a move. Yes. You're fair game. Somebody <laughs> should be able to hit you at that point. Like, if, if you're going to continue running long after the whistle is blown, then we, should, then we get to throw a forearm at you. Oh. You'll be, I'm going to need you to be like uh, Ditka when that, when that hippie ran out onto the field. <laughs> Over at the at, at, at lost in the Rams game. So I I drop a pick and I I I frustratingly pick the ball up and run. I should still have my head on a swivel in your world. There will be a forearm. There'll be a Ditka esque <laughs> forearm shiver coming at you. I've, I've seen it. You'll see it when the guy drops the pick. You'll see it when the guy drops the pass. Like you'll see it when the guy goes out of bounds, but then has to continue running toward the whistle's blowing. It clearly wasn't, you know, it was, was not a fumble. It was yep. a forward pass. The whistle's been blowing, but the defensive lineman who gobbled up the ball is still running toward the end zone. Yep. Somebody put a hit on him. You are, you're, you're letting the power go to your head here now. <laughs> I, I think yeah. you really are making the most of this. You're yep. making the most of this. I knew I knew you'd make a good commissioner, Adam. I knew it. I yep. just knew it deep down. Do you have one more? Do you have one last one before I before I, I re- remove the uh, commissioner title from you and, and get the sofa cleaners <laughs> to New York City uh, as soon as possible? You got one more left in you? Uh, yeah, let's see. Because I know you have one last pet peeve, I'm sure. Yeah, I can, uh, I can, I can, uh, I can drum, I can drum it up. Um, let's see. I don't like the Gatorade bath. That is. What do you got against the Gatorade bath? Well, I would argue that it's wildly disrespectful to dump a Gatorade. I mean, obviously, these a lot of these guys have have bad tickers. They're in their sixties and being showered, especially you know outdoors at Green Bay this time of year with a bucket filled with ice is not not a great. You Not could, a great uh, plan. So, so for health purposes, you're you're going to ban the, the Gatorade dump. 
I like it. Not only for health purposes, but, you know, as a commissioner, I have to realize that the National Football League is, is, is a world product these days. You know, I'm not just trying to sell my product to people in Chicago and Wisconsin. I'm trying to sell it to people around the world. I, I, want, I want to take, you know, hence the game, couple games or game a year that's played in Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to sell my product to the world. And the notion of a, a lot of these uh, countries that are ravaged with uh, drought and starvation, seeing, uh, you know, what is at least it's eight w- gallons of icy wasteful. cold liquid with, filled with electrolytes. Wasteful. Waste, dump it all over just the carpet. I mean, imagine you're sitting in Mozambique and you're swatting flies and you're looking, or you're looking out over scorched earth. And uh, no, not even a weed has grown in that cracked and sun-scorched soil for, for, uh, for a decade or more. And you're and then, watching on your high-definition television. You got, somebody you, you got the 60-inch <laughs> LCD, so and you're watching, uh, you're watching this game. And you there, there, the very sustenance of life, Gatorade, being spilled all over the place, and then you switch channels, and Gallagher comes on with his sledgematic, <laughs> and now you're disgusted with the United States, and you decide to go on a killing spree. See, you are, you are, you are taking it the next level. I knew it, but yep. uh, unfortunately, Adam, I must now make you just back into the host of the Adam Carolla podcast and the author of "In Fifty Years We'll All Be Chicks," and we'll all have to move on. Okay, uh, Rich. We'll all have to move on with that, but I'll, but we're gonna. I'm gonna run some of these ideas up the flagpole to the real commissioner and see if it flies. Okay. Well, I said they uh, they laughed at me, but they have adopted my uh, two possession policy in, uh, in overtime. OT. That's true. So you're uh, a factor. You're a factor. Thank you. Hey, listen. Thanks for coming on, Adam. I look forward to coming back on yours. Your Rich, podcast. always always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, man. Take care. You bet, Adam Carolla. Everybody, uh, the commissioner of nothing. <laughs> he's got some great ideas i like the idea of the goalpost in the middle i like it i i i think you know again it would bring some sort of carnival like atmosphere to things but i i sort of i sort of think that's an interesting one i don't think it is ever going to happen but at any rate uh that's adam carolla and that's it for this podcast i want to thank adam for joining us i want to thank troy polamalu and matthew hasselbeck for phoning in as they're getting set for their big divisional games i also want to thank al michaels one of the best in the business for phoning in and michael lombardi lending perspective to everything that's going on paul rudd has been booked for next week's program. Uh, We'll also obviously get some other fun guests in store for you. Uh, Log on to Twitter at Rich Eisen and follow me there. Also on Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. You can always find this podcast at the website NFL.com slash Rich Eisen or just plug my name into iTunes. Enjoy the divisional weekend, everybody. In many ways, this is the best weekend in all of sports. You've got the best eight remaining teams in the National Football League, and yes, that does include an eight and nine team. Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew. The Seahawks are one and oh. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Signing off for the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Stay listening to 